I dedicate this episode to Riley Elizabeth Watkins. I dedicate this episode to Kennedy Milan Wilson. We miss you and love you so much. Welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort, brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. A podcast show that focuses on sustaining a fulfilling, a purposeful military life through conversation and community building. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and creator of Holding Down the Fort. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, a seasoned military spouse, mom of two boys, and your co-host. Together, we'll converse with special guests from the military community and for the community to share knowledge, resources, and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort for ourselves and our loved ones. Now let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos, also veteran spouse and gold star daughter. And as always, I have my incredible co-host with me, active duty military spouse for over 12 years, mom of two boys, mental health advocate, Jenny Lynn Stroop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hey, Jen. Good to be here. Excited to be here. We have some friends on today and a repeat guest. Yes. And let me go ahead and bring them on now, starting with Heather Wilson, who is the outreach manager of the Stephen A. Cohen Military Family Clinic at the Up Center and also founder and executive director of Kennedy's Angel Gowns. So, Heather, welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be back and very excited to speak on this topic. Yes, absolutely. And of course, we also have a new guest on our show for the first time, Dr. Nikki Watkins, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist and clinic director of the Stephen A. Cohen Military Family Clinic at VVSD. Nikki, welcome to Holding Down the Fort podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so Jenny Lynn, just like what we've been talking about since before we started season five, I've been telling you like how it's my goal to bring back past guests. And I kind of leave it up to you to bring new people on the show. Of course, we have Heather as well, who is a returning guest, but let us know, give our listeners a little background on, you know, what compelled you to bring Heather and Nikki to be a part of our conversation today. So I have the great pleasure of working with both Heather and Nikki through the Cohen Veterans Network. Heather and I are kind of colleagues that we both do outreach for our respective clinics. And Dr. Nikki Watkins is actually my clinic director. So my boss is here today. So everybody be nice. (laughs) Everyone behave. (laughs) Everyone behave. But really, both of these women have such a heart for what they do both inside and outside of their work and are excellent advocates for folks who have experienced pregnancy and infant loss and do a lot of work both in their private practices and their foundations for that. And knowing that this is a topic that often comes up in military spouse circles, I thought it would be super informative and helpful to have two people that I trust to carry this message kindly and gently and well. Awesome. And so I know that I often am kind of the upbeat person on the show. So please forgive me if like we're talking about a somber topic and I'm a little uppity. That's sort of my coping mechanism is to have like a positive attitude on everything. So just know that that's kind of where I'm coming from. If I am coming off a little insensitive and you guys are definitely more than welcome to, you know, be like Jen, like, you know, tone it down a little. You're a little too happy about this topic. So there's that. But yeah, no, I think this is going to be a very relevant topic. And so 
I think what I want to start is with you, Nikki, being this your first time on the show, just tell us a little briefly what the work you do in mental health and the importance of it, and even your observations and focusing on mental health for the military community, and then talk about your advocacy for pregnancy and infant loss. Yes, thank you. So regarding mental health, So I'm the clinic director at the Cohen Clinic at VBSD, and I have two clinics, which will be San Diego and Oceanside. That is a new role for me. So in addition to that, I was associate director and lead clinician for a few years. I helped to open the clinic and I provide therapy. And at our clinics, each individual is asked what is their specialty so that when clients come in, we can try to match them up with the best person to meet their needs. Of course, we're all competent enough to see any client. However, some of us have extensive experience in certain areas. And so for me, that would be grief and infant loss. And that stems from my own experience with infant loss. My husband and I experienced a stillbirth. Our daughter Riley would have been nine years old this year. Her birthday was just August 6th. We just celebrated, actually. And she would have been nine. And so for me, the journey that I was on as far as grief and mental health, even being a clinician, it was very challenging because when you're in it, all of your tools and skills sometimes just go out the window. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And so I had to seek my own help. And since then, what I've realized is that it is a silent suffering point, I guess I should say for most people. Many people suffer in silence. Once we shared about our loss, so many people came out of the woodworks and we're like, well, we've known you all these years. Where'd you come from? You never shared that. And you're still smiling. Like, how did you get there? Right. And so for me, since I was already a therapist and I shifted my private practice and my specialty at Cohen to infant loss and grief. And so I run support grief groups at my church. Locally, I've facilitated grief share. I started a support group specifically for women who've experienced infant loss. But what I would like to share is that both in my private practice and at Cohen, I've had clients come in who are military spouses or active duty who have experienced infant loss and are kind of expected to just keep going, power through. Why do you need time off work? Why can't you just get back to normal? We'll try again. And even from within their home. And so that is one of the reasons that I'm also passionate about it. And I push it for our clinics. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nikki, for sharing a little bit about your background and, you know, happy belated birthday to Riley, who should be nine this year, as you mentioned. And, you know, for me, I have a high respect for people who have this deep level of empathy and compassion for people. Cause there's a part of me that makes me think like they must've gone through something for them to have this level of care, you know, for people around them. And I also just want to point out how I appreciate the fact that even though you had your own practice and you probably knew the tools to grieve, you still needed that help. I know with Jenny Lynn, we talked about, like, we had a conversation in the past with you and Matthew about, like, even though you guys are very well educated and smart and intelligent, you still knew the importance of, you know, getting help. And so, Jenny Lynn, I just want to check in with you to see if you have any comments on anything that Nikki has shared so far. Oh, I mean, I am here for her story. I know bits and pieces of it, you know, and just the kindness she brings to all situations. We've worked together now for a year and a half and just, that level of like calm and kindness she brings to that and the vulnerability. Like, I mean, to be able to share from that well of deep hurt and share well with others is something that I 
I mean, you know, I'm the crier on the show. Jenna's the upbeat one. So I <laughs> we balance each other out. <laughs> a very deep well of sorrow. And also, I mean, I just, those are my people. Like those are my people because I think that it's only through those losses and things that we are really able to connect on such a deep level and then bring healing in. And so I'm grateful to work with two women who do that really well. Yeah. I forgot to mention that I did write a book and I'm not sharing it to sell my book. I'm sharing it because that was part of my healing journey. Mm -hmm. And in order for me to heal, I needed to write it out. I journaled for a year and a half. I just journaled till my pen stopped. And then as I was writing it, I was thinking to myself, I wish I knew this. And so I wanted to write it so that other people going through infant loss and maybe even struggling in their faith as a result of it would be able to say, look, read it and say, oh, okay, so I'm not crazy. So this isn't weird. Like this is a normal reaction to this. So I just wanted to share that because I forgot to mention it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very relevant to our conversation. And I want to go ahead and turn it over to Heather now. So Heather, you've been a past guest on the show. I know that you're doing some advocacy with this particular topic with pregnancy and infant loss. So tell us a little bit about, maybe give a quick snapshot of you know, what mental health means for you in the military space and the work that you do, and also your advocacy with pregnancy and infant loss. So I've actually been with the UP Center for, let's see, about 13 years. And so I worked in foster care and adoption. And my family, I come from a wide background of foster children. My sister at one point had seven children. Some were biological, some foster, some that she adopted. So I did outreach for that department, but obviously still working in mental health and, and just helping children at that point. And then the position opened up on this side with the military with mental health and it was outreach again. So took that opportunity. However, while I was working at the UP Center, I experienced a very tragic loss. My daughter, Kennedy, passed away. I was nine months pregnant. And she was stillborn as well as Nikki. She was stillborn. Kennedy's birthday was actually two days ago. We celebrated her birthday. So we share, as you were speaking, Nikki, we share so much in common. August is a tough month for me too. And it's two days removed from when we honored her and and just celebrated her legacy. So when I experienced the loss, I just had so many people here at my job just surround me with so much love and just so much support. And after about seven years of grieving, I decided that it was time for me to do what Nikki did and take that step into what way I would honor myself, but also honor my baby. And so the way that I chose to do that is I started a foundation and it's called Kennedy's Angel Gowns. I have a little bit of a background in sewing. I just naturally can sew. I do not know why. My mom says it comes from my grandmother. And so it was one night before her seventh birthday and I took my sewing machine out and I made her just this beautiful gown because one thing that stuck with me was that when it was time to bury Kennedy, I was very, very sick in the hospital and I couldn't go out with my mom and my husband to pick a gown out. And when they were out to do that, there was just nothing small enough and she was a full-term baby. So to me, it was two things. It was, there was nothing her size, but also oh my gosh, imagine the amount of parents that after they lose their child have to go in a children's department and look at baby clothes. That is just so triggering. And so to me, it was to make a difference. I decided to make burial gowns. And so the way that I do that is I 
people donate their wedding dresses to me and I use that so it's kind of like free material and I use that to make gowns for little girls and suits and vests for little boys and we send them all over not just the United States but we've sent some to Europe and some to a few islands around the world so we yeah our ministry is to basically be supportive to be that person who sits right beside them when they're going through before COVID, we were going in the hospitals with them and sitting with them. My husband's a big part of it too. But also, as we just researched and researched, there's just, like she said, a silent topic and there's so much more to know. There's so much support and so many resources that people don't know about. So we try to spread the resources. And then about eight years into us, um, Eight years, it was about eight years after Kennedy passed and we started the organization, we started to get these cooling devices. We found out that they were in Europe and what they do is they kind of maintain the baby's body temperature and it sounds morbid, but I promise you it's not. Well, they're called cuddle cots or carrying cradles, just depends on if you manufacture it in the United States or in Europe. And they keep the body, the baby's body at a temperature so that it slows down the natural progression of death so that you can make memories, you can take those pictures, you can wait for family members to arrive so that they can hold the baby and spend time with the baby and really just hold on to those memories. Because when your baby dies as an infant or stillborn, you just have those memories right there. You don't have a lifetime of memories. So it's the memory making is a huge thing. And so thus far, we've donated to 10 area hospitals in Virginia and North Carolina. And then we started to do more research. My husband's really big into the research. And we found out that this affects black and brown women more often than it does our white counterparts. And so then it became like full stream ahead. We got to make change. So we, we started to look at our numbers and collect data and see how many gowns are we giving out a week. And we're averaging about four to five gowns. So we're helping about four to five families a week bury their children. And when we looked at the numbers, it's true that it is black and brown women and it's the moms that aren't even making it out of the delivery room. So we started to raise awareness for that. And we were blessed last year that Kamala Harris found out about the work that we were doing. And we were able to sit down with her and really speak at a round table and just tell our stories. But also she was able to make change because our small organizations or, or Nikki's work that she does, our voices are small in the big picture of where change needs to happen. And so to be able to get to the White House to bring that message and funding, because it's going to take funding, to me, that was one of the biggest, biggest achievements I could have done in Kennedy's honor. And so from there, that's where the advocacy piece has just taken off. And it's my mission now to just really educate and be the voice for people that just don't have the voice or just are literally in shock because of the tragedy they just experienced. Yeah. Well, Heather, wow. Just thank you for sharing all of that. And you both actually reminded me that, you know, mentioning that a lot of this could happen to women of color, essentially. And you guys just reminded me that my mom actually had a miscarriage before my brother. Yeah. So we should have been like four siblings as opposed to like three siblings. And maybe I wouldn't have had it as hard as a middle child. There would have been someone there <laughs> in the middle with me. <laughs> but I feel like I need to take a minute to process this, but I really do want to thank you both. Just like what Jenny Lynn had shared, what she said earlier, the fact that you're so transparent with all of this and, you know, really turning that hurt into something good, like you're honoring that loss by helping other people. I mean, the fact that you make these, you know, cute little gowns and suits 
for these babies is like absolutely amazing. Jenny Lynn, I'm curious if this is new to you, any information that Nikki or Heather had shared? I have heard bits and pieces of both of their stories, which is why I wanted both of them on today. I also am a follower and hopefully soon a participator in the Kennedy's Gowns thing. Their last big fundraiser, we had been in town five hot minutes and I was unable to unpack enough nice clothes. Actually, the movers (laughs) lost my nice clothes. Hey, military life. So I wouldn't have had anything to wear anyway. You know, so no, but just hearing both of them share together and, you know, how much their stories overlap and how they've taken those stories and done good. I could listen to all day, quite frankly, other than I'm probably going to tear up more throughout the thing, but I really could listen to it all day. It is mostly tears of gratitude for two people who do such good work and pride because I love them both. So yeah, we love you too. (laughs) Yes. I feel like it's been so emotional lately. I mean, Jenny Lynn brings out the emotion in me sometimes too. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I've had many so, hours of therapy. I mean, I might as well. Like, we just, we come here for the free therapy that I can offer after the 10,000 hours I've sat on the couch. So you cool. know what though? Th- this is why I love podcasting because I feel like it's a form of release. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, you've already did all the hard work, the amazing work and continual work through therapy. I think sharing is a form of self-healing. And so, you know, and I mentioned this to Jenny Lynn quite often, that I just always appreciate how she shows up on the show the way that she does. Cause she definitely is the crier <laughs> of our show. And I mean, myself, I've definitely been a little more hypersensitive lately, just with at the time of this recording, like how I don't have a home right now. I'm trying to figure out where my next place is going to be. But, you know, for Jenny Lynn to continually show up the way that she does wholeheartedly, I just absolutely appreciate it. And I feel like I need to mention that because I don't want this to be like, oh, let's bring on Jenny Lynn because she's the crier of the show. She adds more heart to this. Like, no, it's just the way you show up. I really do have to acknowledge it. And thank you, you know, as always for that. So as you guys know, our show is called Horn Down the Fort, and we primarily like to focus on providing resources and stories, education to our military spouses. And Nikki, you had hinted earlier about like, you know, in regards to pregnancy and infant loss, it's a lot different for a military spouse to go through that, like in this crazy life. So can you elaborate a little bit more from your own observations of, you know, helping military spouses or couples for that matter, you know, go through pregnancy and infancy loss? Yes, I think some of the unique challenges are going to be just some of the obvious portions of military life, right? And what I mean by that is we know that there are deployments, we know that there are moves, and so life doesn't stop for them just because that's happening, right? So you have someone who's living in a new city, a new state, they don't have a support system yet, they may have just moved there, and now they've lost their child. And they don't have anyone to really lean on. They may not know where to go yet. Maybe they haven't even had a chance to get connected yet, right? Or you have someone whose spouse is on deployment. And say if the husband is on deployment and and the wife has an infant loss, right? Not only does she not get to have the comfort of her spouse because they both created this child together, he is out Wherever he is, it could be on a ship, it could be on land someplace, but he has to try to deal with those emotions. And most of the time they can't, they don't have the space for it. Yeah, and, like they have to compartmentalize, right, right? They just kind of have to keep going. And so how do you even deal with that? Right. And so those are like, they're buried because you have to keep going. The mom who's at home may have other children that mm-hmm. she has to continue to raise and try to take care of. And maybe families in another state, another country, who knows, right? And so I think that Those are some of the unique challenges that 
we don't think about when we think about infant loss specifically for the military population. Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't think about that till you brought awareness to it. Heather, I wanted to see if there's anything you wanted to add in addition to your advocacy and maybe what you have noticed in the military community. Yeah. So we're really close to Portsmouth Naval here. And so we get families all the time that reach out from there. And some of the challenges that we've noticed is if there is a family who is of a faith where you have to bury within a couple days, mm. that makes it so hard. And as Nikki mentioned, grieving by yourself when your spouse is away, because sometimes that, that's the case too, where they're, they're by themselves. And when I go into that hospital room, they are literally sitting by themselves mm. processing. And this sometimes is a surprise to people. When you have a, a baby who is stillborn, you still have to deliver the baby. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I think that's a surprise. They usually induce you and you go into full labor. Mm-hmm. And so it's going through that traumatic process by yourself. It's just, it's scary. And just men are different. They grieve different. They compartmentalize a little bit different. So that pressure of being in the military, not knowing how to support your spouse. It's, it's everything. I think it's it literally is just everything that goes along with the grieving process for both the mom and the dad. It's difficult. And, you know, I want to add to something that Heather just mentioned as far as delivering. So going along with that is the burial. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that that was a part of my experience. As I'm still in the hospital, the social worker comes in and hands me a folder and says, I need to pick a cemetery and a mortuary. I mean, I was just floored. I couldn't believe it. I was sitting there like, I already don't want this to be happening to me. And then now you want me to like find the funds, Mm -hmm. select my own burial place. Like it was just all too much. And then you go into what she mentioned about the clothing and picking a casket. I'm like, I can't do that. So imagine if the spouses, one spouse is away, one is there alone and they have to figure out how to bury their child. And then you may have even unique circumstances. Like, do I want to bury my child here? We might not even be here anymore. Like you, those are real struggles. Like, so then I'm going to have to leave my child here and we may move in three years. And Those are all decisions they may have to make alone if they don't have family around. And then the spouse doesn't have the privilege of being a part of that process, Who's the spouse who's away. Or a family plot that's located where everybody else lives. It's just, it's so much to just, in the moment of, you're just processing, oh my God, my baby doesn't have a heartbeat. Oh my gosh, I have to deliver. Oh my gosh, I have to bury this child. It's just so much. You're just left just speechless. And not to be a political commentary on military mental health, but quite frankly, I mean, some of those cuddle cots Heather talked about, they've donated to Portsmouth Naval because fundamentally as an organization, they don't do specialty care. And that is a specialty care issue, for lack of better terminology. And they're wonderful, like Naval, Army, Docs, Corpsmen, they're wonderful people. And also... A naval hospital isn't intended to be like a children's hospital or, Mm. you know, things like that. And so that's another added layer of if that's where you're at, like that's where you're at. And for some people, I mean, Heather and I are fortunate to live in Hampton Roads and Nikki in San Diego, where there is a plethora of Mm -hmm. resources, you know, but some people like out in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, like the army hospital is it. Like, that's what you got. And they're just not equipped to handle that kind of stuff. So on top of all of the issues Nikki and Heather have already discussed, like you've got the added layer of staff that while kind and loving are just fundamentally not equipped for this. 
Yeah. Well, I appreciate you all for bringing light to this conversation and to this topic. And I think my next natural question is, where do we go from here? You know, like, let's say for that person who is going through this tragic situation, and I want to start with you, Nikki, you know, what is the first thing you want to tell them? What is the first thing you think they should do or not do? You know, like, where do we go from there in that very moment if that once that happens? The first thought that comes to my mind is actually what part of the title of my book. The first thought that comes is you are not alone. Mm. And the reason I named it that was because you feel so alone in that moment, even if you have family around, because nobody knows that personal experience, right? Yeah. But the reason I say you are not alone is that there are so many other people that this has happened to. I've looked at statistics where there were about 24,000 stillbirths a year. And that doesn't include the number for miscarriages, right? And so it's more common than we think. And that's what I want people to know because you feel so alone. I felt like this weird thing had happened to me and what is wrong with me because I had never met anyone. And then it's crazy how many people this happens to. I mean, so many people that I already knew who already have maybe multiple children I didn't know that in between, like you mentioned about your mom, in between those births, there were losses. Heather was there. I'm not sure if Jenny Lynn was, but I did a seminar for our network on infant loss Mm -hmm. and how to support them for our clinicians. And I put up a list of celebrities even Mm. that had experienced infant loss, miscarriage, because there's a difference between, you know, stillbirth and miscarriage. And there are some that even pass away, you know, after birth because of you know, illnesses due to premature birth. But my point is the list was like exhaustive and I'm sure I didn't do, I'd probably touch the surface of the internet of how many people this happens to people that we see every single day, people that we interact with every single day. So I think that is the first thing I would just like to share is just to know that you are not alone. It happens more often than we care to believe it does. And most likely they know someone, whether they know it or not, who's experienced that. And I also would like to just say, get the help you need, get the help you need, because it's going to be a long road. First year is going to be tough. Every first is going to hit you like a brick. Every first Mother's Day, every first Father's Day, first Christmas, first Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. first Easter, first everything, first birthday, because you're all, you're thinking what it would have looked like. And that's usually what I walk my clients through is just those firsts. Yeah. I really like how Nikki, you first start off with saying, you're not alone. You're not the only person that's gone through this. And my main observation with the military community is because of all the moves and all the changes, it just constantly feels alone. You constantly feel like you're doing this by yourself. So to have this on top of that, you know, I think it is important to remind people that you are not alone. And I also love how you said, get help. Like, don't deal with it alone. How do you do that? You get help. You know, more importantly, get professional help because like you mentioned earlier, your family, your friends, especially if they've never gone through this experience or have publicly shared it, you know, they're not going to know how to support you. And so I really appreciate those action items or even kind of just what to tell yourself in that moment, as hard as it could be, because I know it's a lot to process. You can't just have it happen and be like, I'm not alone. <laughs> you know, like you have to get to that place. Heather, I want to ask the same question to you. What are some initial, you know, maybe words of encouragement or you know, words of wisdom you want to share to someone who may be experiencing pregnancy and infant loss? I think Nikki was right in line with the first thing that anyone who's walked through this would say is you're not alone. Find your tribe. Have to find your tribe because my best friend that I've known since I was a little girl 
cannot relate to the pain that I experienced with losing Kennedy. So I think finding that support group, whether it's online, in person, however, find people who really understand your pain. There are so many people. You think about the statistics, one in four women will experience a miscarriage and one in eight a stillbirth. There's four of us on this call right now. So there are people who do understand your pain, can help you walk through it. Therapy is a must. It's a must. (laughs) My faith, oh, my faith got me through some really tough times. There were times when I would go to church and I would just sob the whole time in church. And I think people would probably look at me like, why is she coming? Because I really could not tell you what the pastor said. I could tell you what the choir sang, but I couldn't tell you anything. It was just, I knew I had to be in that space. I knew I had to be there. I didn't know what I was getting from it at the time. You have to have something to hang on to, whether it be your faith, your tribe, whatever that is, you have to find that in those dark days. Yeah. Nikki, I see you nodding a lot. So I wanted to see if there's anything else you wanted to add on what Heather shared. She was just spot on, spot on finding your tribe. I just, I can't say it better. I agree. Wonderful. You know, we are very community focused here, holding down the fort, whether we call it community or your tribe or whatever, like this is why you and I do this. This is why we bring on people like this. I guess I would just encourage our listeners, like if any of this is resonating with you and you need that kind of support and don't know where to look for it, please feel free to email us, message us, and we will do our best to connect you with people who can connect you with people. You know, and I just think I was listening to Heather's story about sitting in church. You know, I am not someone who has experienced pregnancy or infant loss. I had two pregnancies and two births and my children are happy and healthy. I have had other unfortunate and tragic news. And, you know, I was thinking about Heather, like, why would we do that? Why would we go sit in a place when sometimes it feels like, what's the point? And I can think of the Sunday after the unfortunate news that I received. I happened to be sitting in a place where a friend of mine who was on the praise and worship team at my church could see me. And I didn't know she could see me. And I sobbed the entire service. And so afterwards, she came up and she's like, I saw you. You don't have to say anything. But if you want to, know that I'm here. And I think in knowing you're not alone. And military spouses are fantastic at this. We PCS so often and recreate tribes so often. Like It is very difficult in a time of tragedy to do that and also get out there because people will see you and people will show up for you. That's really good. Wow. That's really good. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's women like the support of women too. It's just the way we can feel each other's pain and the way that we can just get together and just have that mutual understanding of it's just hard to, (laughs) to be um, a woman and a spouse and a spouse of someone who serves. Yeah. yeah, I want to, if it's okay, if I can add something, please. a couple of things. One is I just would like for family members and even just friends to know that we so often forget the husband. Mm-hmm. And that was really a big thing for my husband. And he says that to the husbands of women that we talk with. He speaks to them mm-hmm. to let them know that he sees them because he felt not seen as if it was merely my loss. Everybody's focused on the mom because she carried the baby mm. and his loss is just as deep. And so just to really remember that there were two parents also remembering that grandparents grieve 
my mother and his mother still have a hard time. The siblings of that lost child grieve. Like it affects everybody. I even know someone who was an aunt and just a hard time because everybody was expecting this child. Everybody had ideas of how they were going to spend their time with this child and what they were going to do and what they're going to buy them. So just that we don't forget Mm-hmm. that there's a whole family that's grieving, but especially that. Yeah. And if I can add one more thing, just piggybacking on what Heather said, I would like to say, find meaning. Mm. And that may not be in the beginning, but find meaning and find purpose in the loss. That is where healing comes from. When you find that meaning and that purpose. I've healed so much from facilitating grief groups. Mm-hmm. And every time I do one, I get to continue to heal. Mm-hmm. Just as when she when Heather creates her gowns and I also crochet cradles, but I just don't do them as consistently, but there's a cradle. Same reason she said the babies are so small that they can't fit. It's hard for the parents to hold them. So there's a organization that creates cradles and I will crochet those, but all of those things give you something. You feel like, okay, well, something's coming out of this because it can't just be for nothing. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. You should have never told me about those cradles. <laughs> I'm definitely calling you. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Nikki, I love how you mentioned like, you know, find meaning in loss. I recently did a keynote for a military spouse mixer talking about the loss of my dad and sharing the lessons of, you know, having lost a parent at 10 years old and how it took me almost 20 years to finally unpack what that meant for me. But the fact is, like you said, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but eventually, you know, if you want to honor that loss, you got to find meaning in it. You know, you got to understand, like, what does it mean for someone like me who survived that loss? How can I continue on that person's legacy? How can I continue to honor them? Just like how you both celebrate the birthdays, you know, every single year, which I think is amazing. Heather, I want to check in with you and make sure, like, in addition to everything that Nikki shared, are there any other closing thoughts that you want to share with our listeners here? Yeah, I just want to share something that my organization does to raise awareness and to raise money. As mentioned, it's very expensive to bury a child. And so we do have fundraisers to help with funeral expenses as well. One thing that we do is we host a 5K every year. So if you are in Virginia Beach area, Hampton Roads area, you can join us in person, hopefully. We'll see how COVID (laughs) restrictions are. However, you can also participate virtual and you'll still get your t-shirt and your medal. We call it the Angel Run 5K. We do it every year in October. This year it's on October 16th. And then around Bereaved Mother's Day, which is a holiday that people don't even know about, we also host an angel ball, which is a gala. We wear all white. Actually, this year we're doing Roaring Twenties. So we have lots of fundraisers that you can support that directly support these families that are going through pregnancy and infant loss. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heather. And Nikki, I want to make sure if there's any resources you want to share. Yes. The last couple of resources I will share are Empty Cradle. They are nationwide. And so people can just type in their zip code and find one in their area. I also would like to mention Grief Share. That is another one that people can just type in their zip code and they will find one somewhere near their area. And that was one that brought about the most healing for me. I resisted going. And when I got to the bottom and I couldn't go any further, I was stuck and I went 
that is what brought the movement. So I just want to bring about those resources. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, for our listeners, if you are looking for those resources, I'll be sure to have Heather and Nikki give me the exact link so we can include it in the show notes for you all to have access to. Jenny Lynn, just want to check in with you. Obviously, this was your idea to bring him on. And I'm so glad this came into fruition. Any closing thoughts you want to share with Heather, Nikki, or to our listeners? Oh, I think just once again, I am grateful for their transparency and their honesty and their willingness to share. I think this conversation is something that definitely taught me something as somebody who hasn't ever had to go through this. It definitely, I will definitely walk away being, you know, a little bit more sensitive in the world in a good way, (laughs) not like a raw nerve, but, you know, more sensitive to people that experience things that I don't know anything about because I have two people in my life who are willing to be transparent about it. So I'm grateful for them joining us today. Yeah, for sure. Well, Nikki, Heather, I want to thank you both. Nikki, it was a pleasure meeting you for the first time virtually. Um, hopefully, nice meeting you too. Yeah, hopefully by happening to be in town, maybe we'll run into each other, but no pressure. Oh, yeah, and, that'd um, be good. <laughs> and Heather, yes, I still owe you and Jenny Lynn a hangout. So that will be in the talks of that. Just give me a couple months <laughs> to figure my life out. <laughs> but thank you both so much for being on our show. And of course, Jenny Lynn, I want to thank you for co-hosting with me as always. Yeah, happy to. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for creating the platform to have this conversation. Thank you, Jenny Lynn, so much for inviting Heather and I to do this. Yeah, thank you. For sure. All right. And to our listeners, thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Get access to our show notes and subscribe to our newsletter by checking out the details of this episode on your preferred podcasting platform or visit our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And while you're on holdingdownthefortpodcast.com, be sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or our YouTube channel. If you got a lot of value from today's conversation, kindly leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or leave us a recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Oh, 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 oh